from Daniel chapter 6, the whole chapter, and you'll find it on page 930 of your Pew Bibles. Daniel in the Den of Lions. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this the administrators and satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisers and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where his windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days anyone who prays to any god or man except to you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and he made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to the king and said to him, Remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, The king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me 
because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations and men of every language throughout the land. May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much, Jeff, for reading Daniel chapter 6 for us this morning. Thank you so much. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we pray that you speak to us through this passage. Encourage our hearts, Lord, and our relationship with you this morning. In Jesus' name, I pray, Lord, that you would also give to me the strength. Forgive me of my sins. And I humble myself before you and your people. For your glory and praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, um, Daniel chapter 6 is one of those well-known, well-known chapters in the Bible, right? I'm sure if you've been to kids' church, to Sunday school, uh, this chapter would have been a very familiar chapter to you. It is a story of Daniel in the lion's den. And many children's stories have been written on Daniel chapter 6. I remember myself reading the little children's Bible to our kids when they were small and before they went to bed. I read the scriptures with them. And this story was one of those stories. And all the questions that came, what would happen, Dad? What would happen to Daniel? Well, we see what's going on in this chapter, don't we? It is perhaps the best known incident in the life of Daniel. It has got everything that could make it a great movie. Uh, Yesterday, I went and watched the latest James Bond movie. Anyone seen it? Any any James Bond fans here? Don't be embarrassed, okay, because I'm I'm also one of them. Anyway, I watched the movie. It's it's suspense and action and everything else. Now, if you want to make a movie on this, I think it will have all those elements. There is a plot. There is the suspense, the lions, the unexpected, what would happen. And so this morning as we look at this chapter, Daniel chapter 6, I've titled this message and I've tried to work this one through as to what is the best title here. So I came up with this one, Prayer, the Lion's Den and Deliverance. I think that kind of encapsulates what we have in this chapter. And so today as we, as we work our way through this uh, Daniel chapter 6, we want to look at four uh, areas, I've divided the chapter into these four areas, the testimony of Daniel, uh, the chapter 6, 1 to 3, the plot against Daniel, 4 to 9, the test for Daniel, which is 10 to 18, and then the triumph for Daniel. I haven't put that as the triumph of Daniel, but it is the triumph for Daniel, and you will see why that is. 
Well, the testimony of Daniel. What do we see in chapter, chapter 6, 1 to, 1 to 3? We see that Daniel distinguished himself above all the other presidents and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the entire kingdom. Chapter uh, verse 3. Now, before we go further, let me go back, backtrack a bit to chap- Daniel chapter 1, 3 to 7. To give you a bit of a context here very quickly. You see, what happened was, there were the exiles who were brought into Babylon. They were under King Nebuchadnezzar. And the king commanded one of his chief eunuchs to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of nobility, into his Reign as it were. Uh, Youths without blemish, of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom. So the king was looking for these young boys to be brought in. And these youth were people from of a certain standard in, in the life of Israel. They were teenage boys. That's what the word youth is in, translated in the Hebrew. Perhaps between the ages of 13 to 18. And so they were without blemish, which means unstained in their appearance. So they were of good appearance. They were skilled with wisdom, endowed with knowledge and understanding and learned. And among this crowd were four teenage boys. We can assume, friends, that these four young Jewish boys were brought up by their parents who took the God of Israel seriously. How do we know this? We have a clue by their names, with their names. We see it in the meaning of their Hebrew names. Chapter 1. Daniel, God, means God will judge. Ananiah means God is gracious. Mishael means God is God. And Azariah means God is my help. So, all of these names are connected with the God of Israel. God's name is present in the names of all of these teenage guys here. But guess what happens? In verse 7, chapter 1, their names are changed. Daniel is called Belshazzar. That's an interesting name, isn't it? If you have a son, would you call such a name? No, I I wouldn't think so. Well, Ananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael he called Meshach. And Azariah he called Abednego. Right? When I uh, was talking about this sometime back, someone said, well, is it Abednego or something? No, it's not. It's Abednego, right? See, their new names incorporated the names of the Babylonian gods. It was a strategy, I believe, to confuse them and take away from them any connection to the true and living God with whom they had known and worshipped. You see, Nebuchadnezzar essentially took away from them the remembrance of their God by giving them Babylonian names associated with the gods of Babylon. And so it was a secularization of their minds as well as imposing upon them a new identity. We heard about identity this morning. So Nebuchadnezzar was very clever in his strategy. He was essentially taking those names out, putting the gods of Babylon's names in these young men's lives, taking away from them any remembrance 
of Yahweh, the covenant faithful God, and bringing to them a new identity, a very clever strategy. And so Daniel was about 15 years old when he was brought into Babylon as part of the exile. And so that is the context as we move now to chapter 6. We're almost at the conclusion of the Babylonian captivity by the time you get to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel is now about 80 years old. 80 years. It's young, isn't it? 80 years is young. Do you agree? Perhaps not. (laughs) And, and, And he has exercised an incredible influence in Babylon. And Daniel's integrity and reputation was never compromised by the indoctrination of the Babylonian culture. Daniel did not have guilt by association. Daniel and his friends, his heroes, uh, in, in, in the Jewish history, as we saw last week when Peter Hesty preached from Daniel chapter 3, and that's what prompted me to look at Daniel chapter 6 today. Uh, he preached from Daniel chapter 3, where the, uh, his, Daniel's friends were thrown into the fiery furnace. What we have here is that Daniel is a primary example of how to live in a hostile world and culture, and yet maintain a vibrant relationship with God. Correct? The point is this, friends, and I address particularly for young people here as well this morning. You are brought up in a Christian family. You hear God's word being taught and and encouraged in the home, and you come to church and you're taught God's word and a youth group and kids' church and so forth, and then suddenly you finish your VCE, your IB, and then you go into the university, The challenge is not. And then you start getting into the workforce. And what a challenge is that? You're getting into the big world. You're joining the big boys out there. You're joining the big world. A world that influences you with all kinds of cultural things and challenges. And and, and quite rightly so. And so how do you then maintain your Christian identity in such a pressurized environment. It is a challenge. And so Daniel becomes for us, I think, an example that while he, he attained a great position in his career, he did not let the culture shape his life. And that's what we see coming out here as well. He was surrounded by false gods. Are we not today? He lived in a culture that did not honor or believe in his God. What do we say today? It's the same. It's happening here in Australia. It's happening in Europe. Sadly, people have turned their backs away from the living God. You think of Europe being the bastion of Christian faith, of of the UK, England, and other nations that's been so... uh, Let me not forget Wales as well. That would be big trouble. The Welsh revivals. Think about the Welsh revivals. The great Welsh revivals. And people like them, my dear friends, and, and, and turned up action, saying no to this God. And what a challenge it is. He lived in a culture that had different values, ideas, and lifestyles, just like us today. And this man now was 80 years old at this stage, and guess what? As he started as a 15-year-old boy in Babylon... Learn God's word, and he continues to be strong in his faith. What a remarkable testimony. Is it not the case? 
a remarkable testimony of God's grace. And why was this, friends? It was because of his relationship with his God, the true living God, as we will see in a moment. He became distinguished. He was a man of integrity, of competence, of faithfulness. His character was flawless. An example of what it means to hold a public office, to live, to work and function within a secular culture. And so Daniel served so well that he continued to be promoted throughout his leadership. He served under six kings and two kingdoms. The Babylonian kingdom, the Medo-Persian kingdom. Such was his influence. So you ask the question, what was the secret? No doubt that God preserved him and blessed him. But there is more to it. He exercised his faith in God, correct? He knew his God. He trusted his God. He lived out his commitment to God. And he did not compromise his faith. His relationship with God was very high on the agenda. And part of the relationship, as we will see in a moment, is that prayer life as well. So, then there is the plot. Verse 4, we see that his opponents were out there to dig dirt. They were on a dirt digging mission. What's the fault with Daniel? Well, they were jealous of Daniel. They were on a mission to destroy him and bring him down and put Daniel under scrutiny. And they were looking for concealed skeletons to be brought to light so that Daniel will be disqualified from this position. Did they find any? None. None. He was competent, faithful, his character was great, his conduct was beyond reproach. These guys tried to find fault in Daniel. Nothing that they could find fault. But then, they said this. Chapter 6, verse 5. If you look at the Bibles, it says this. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel. And here's the striking thing. Unless... We find it in connection with the law of his God. This was the only way they were going to get him. Obviously, they had seen and observed Daniel's life. They had known of Daniel's faith in God. Uh, Daniel did not hide his trust and obedience with God. And so they tried to manufacture and bring up a conflict. And they came up with a plan. And the plan was this, to get Daniel... In his connection with his God. They go to Darius. Darius, you're going to pronounce it that way. And they came up with a plan. Oh king, they flatter the king. Live forever. They lied to the king. The royal administrators, prefects, verse 7. All the governors, we agreed, they said. That anyone who prays to any God or man. In the next 30 days, except to you, O king. Will be thrown to the lion's den. What a thing, eh? Now, did they all actually agree with the, uh, with, the, uh, with the decree? You ever think about it? They didn't. Because Daniel was not there. So they lied. He had not even seen the decree. So, 30 days. Nobody should pray to anyone but to you, O King Darius. This was a trick. Their motive was to get at Daniel. And so the king issues a decree, as we see, it could not be altered. A decree that was placed in writing, uh, the, the law of the Medes and the Persians. What an irony this case is. This man, the man worship, that is Darius, is now in a bind. In a sense, he is unable to change his own decree because of the law of the Medes and the Persians. Now, 
Commentators are, are divided on this. Some say that, well, he could have changed the law. No problem. He could have written a, a brand new edict. Could he not? He's a king. He could have done it. But the point is, he doesn't do it because, in his mind, to do that would be to back down. Perhaps an issue of pride. We don't know. And then there is the test for Daniel. We see this very quickly in verses 10 to 18. Daniel is faced, faced opposition in many ways, but this time Daniel, like his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, will have to face the most severe trial in his life. Being thrown into the lion's den. Lions are magnificent animals, aren't they? You love to watch them in the zoo. That's it. <laughs> and uh, I, I used to live uh, in, in Sri Lanka in a, in, a, in a place that was close to the zoo. Actually, not, not too far. And in the early hours of the morning, around 4.30 or 5 in the morning, I would hear these lions roar. I'm not kidding you. Serious. They will roar in the mornings until they are fed. And I tell you what, it's a frightening thing to hear a lion's roar. I still remember it just as yesterday. The roar in the morning, five o'clock in the morning. Ooh, they're out there wanting their food. Imagine what it must have been for, 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 for Daniel. Well, when Daniel heard of the, the, this edict, he was not even consulted of it. He's put to the test. Should he come up with excuses? He could have talked him out of, himself out of this, could he not? Perhaps he could have reasoned, well, why don't I pray somewhere else? Without opening the windows. Surely God will hear me. Or should he compromise by paying homage to Darius? How did he respond to this test? You see in our passage, friends, Daniel does not bow to a man, Darius. Instead, Daniel does what he had always done. He goes home. He goes to his upper room. Opens the windows. Where? Towards where? Towards Jerusalem. And three times a day on his knees, a sign of humility, he prayed and gave thanks to God as he had done before. Always. That was Daniel's life. He was regular in his prayer life. It was part of his spiritual discipline. You see, when I was preparing this, this sermon, sometimes when you're preparing messages and so forth, you get so engrossed with the text that you forget to pray at times. Of course, we do pray. But I, I had to put aside this time and say, Lord, give me the strength and the wisdom to be able to share this word with God's people this Sunday. With all the challenges and everything that comes our way, to be able to share God's word. To be able to pray. And what we see here is a regular prayer life. Don't we see that here? <laughs> now, it's not stipulated that we should pray three times a day. The Jews should pray three, five times a day. We can pray anytime, anywhere. You see, Daniel valued his prayer life. So Daniel was at peace. Daniel is just being Daniel. In his relationship to God in prayer. His trust in God is unshakable, was unshakable. Notice that Daniel bowed and looked towards Jerusalem. He's in exile. And he looks towards Jerusalem. And why Jerusalem? Because at Jerusalem he remembers the temple. The temple was in ruins at the time. But that was where God met with his people. 
And that's why Daniel looked there and he reminded himself of this great, this awesome, this Yahweh, this covenant God that, has, that he has learned and that he has understood. And this great and awesome God who has journeyed with him for 80 years. And he says, God, I open the windows and I pray to you, the living God. You see, there is a higher throne, right? A throne before the throne of God. There is a higher throne. The God of the living God. The almighty God. Whose windows is always open. And we can come to this God. No matter what situation and circumstance that we might be in. That prayer becomes a priority for us. It's not just prayer here. It's more than that. It's a relationship. Is that not the case we see here? It's about Daniel's relationship with his God. You say, how well do we know our God? How well do we want to know this God? How well do we want to communicate with this God? You see, that is what we see here in Daniel. He's not hiding. He's out there. And so this causes chaos with these, with these guys. And they go up to the king. If you look at verses 12 onwards. You see, Daniel is one of, who is one of the exiles. This is how they... they this is incredible the way they, they speak about Daniel, you know. Uh, oh, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah. You know that guy? He pays no attention to you, O king. Or to the decree that you put in writing. Verse 13, he still prays three times a day. You see, that foreigner, that Jew, that, 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 that exile guy, remember? From, from, from Israel, he disobeys you. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. Why? Because he was determined to rescue Daniel. He, he, he had a relationship here with, with Daniel. He knew Daniel. He had to rescue and make, made every effort until sundown. Verse 14. And that decree could not be changed. Verse 16. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel. And the moment had come. And threw him into the lion's den. What a moment. For a man at that age. We, we can read the text and say, oh well, you know, so familiar story. But think about it. An 80 year old man being thrown into a lion's den. Those hungry lions, because we see what happened to them. Now, you see, some people might say, oh well, they were all fed, so they were not hungry. And so when Daniel was thrown in, their tummies were full. And so, your tummy is full, you don't want to eat anymore. And so the lions didn't eat Daniel up. No, 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 that's not what we see here. Because you see immediately later in the text, what happened to the satraps and presidents and their families? When they were thrown into the lion's den, what happened? That's just, they devoured them. <laughs> right. So here we see, friends, Daniel is thrown in the lion's den. And, and, and I want us to see this quickly in verse 17, 18. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the lion, of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. A stone was placed. Ensure Daniel could not escape. The seal was put there. Daniel's fate was decided. I wonder what kind of thoughts went through Daniel's mind. What kind of thoughts would go through your mind if someone was to say to you, you are not allowed to pray for 30 days. Would it make a difference? Think about it. 
Would it make a difference for us? If someone was to say to me, Chris, you are not allowed to pray for 30 days. Would it make a difference in my prayer life? See, Daniel knew what was in store for him. The lions would show no mercy. Death was certain. And the story gives a, gives, gives a very sharp, it has a sharp turn here in, this, in, in, in the text. And God has put this in, in, in the word. There's, a, there's an amazing contrast. If you see the contrast, it's quite remarkable here. The experience between Daniel and Darius during the night. The king, verse 18, the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating, without entertainment, and he could not sleep. One writer puts it this way. Uh, it's uh, actually Sinclair Ferguson, a great writer, great author, uh, biblical scholar. His helplessness suggests to us that it is better to be a child of faith in a den of lions than a king in a palace without faith. <laughs> How true is that, isn't it? It's better to be, his helplessness suggests to us that it is better to be a child of faith in a den of lions than a king in a place without faith. Another writer puts it this way, what a stark contrast this provides. King Darius had at his disposal every pleasure that the ancient world had to offer, yet he could not enjoy any of them, while Daniel had nothing except the presence of his God with him in his trials, and yet enjoyed a peaceful night's sleep. I don't know how Daniel would have slept. I would have been, I would have freaked out. I did not know where to turn. Where would the lions be? Man, just, just, just think about it. What would you do? Daniel's asleep. At the first sight of dawn, verse 19, king got up and hurried to the lions. He must have wondered, waited with anticipation. Verse 20, and he came near the, the den. He called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? So Darius hurried to the lion's den. His voice is one of anguish. And then there, there from the den of lions, there is a voice. An old man's voice comes out. <laughs> from the lion's den, there's a voice. Daniel answered, may the king live forever. What a miracle. What a moment what a deliverance. May the king live forever. Why my God sent his angel and shut the mouths of the lions. May the king, my God sent his He shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me. Why? Because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you. You see, God sent his angel. Now, people might have various interpretations about who this angel is. In chapter 3 last week, I don't expect you to remember what Peter Hesley spoke about, but in the, in, the, in the fiery furnace, there were three young men thrown, right? And what do we see in chapter 3, when the, in the fiery furnace? There was one, a fourth man, a fourth one in the furnace. And, and Peter did mention that it's a Christophany, and, and, and I believe, from my understanding, that what we have here again in chapter 6 Right, the angel, now people may not may have different views here, but I would see that this is, I would think, is the pre-incarnate ministry of Jesus. See, Jesus was, I think, I believe, was with, with him the Lion of Judah. Revelation 5, verse 5. One of the elders said to me, 
Do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And what I can see here is possibly is that Jesus is there with Daniel in the lion's den. And so friends, there is more to this story, isn't it? More than Daniel and his prayer life. Daniel's deliverance was a miracle. Now I want to say this. There's a dangerous trap that we can all fall into here. And the trap is this. To be courageous like Daniel and God will shut the mouths of lions. Is that the take home message here? I don't think so. Because many have been, many Christians have been martyred. Many Christians were thrown to the lions. Right? Many had been burnt alive. Many are today being killed for Jesus. Now see, God, the text is not teaching us that. God may do that, but sometimes the lions will crush and eat and kill. Daniel was delivered not simply because Daniel had been faithful. It is more than that. Daniel was delivered because the angel shut the mouths of the lions. This is what we see. This is the triumph that we see here, don't we? Daniel is delivered because God did something. And even Darius knew this. Darius was overjoyed that Daniel was alive. 23, 24, he was overjoyed. And then this command is given, bring everyone else, all those guys, the satraps, the presidents, and their families, throw them in. And there was judgment. And then Darius comes out with a great testimony. We won't go into that. Verses 25, 28. You see, may God, may you prosper greatly. He issued this decree. Reverence to the God of Daniel. And then verse 28. Notice verse 28 of the text. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. God was with Daniel. Do you ever feel alone? Do you ever feel sometimes as if you are thrown into the lion's den? There are moments in our lives that the lions are out there. There are moments as if everything is crumbling. There are moments as if the lions are there to just get you. But know that you are never alone. Correct? Because our God stands with us. Moment by moment and day by day. God stands by his children. But friends, we should not miss the bigger picture here. And I want to, uh, as we will close with this. See, Daniel 6 points us to the way in which Jesus, I believe, fulfilled Daniel chapter 6. See, the early church saw in this event a foretaste of Jesus' death and his resurrection from the dead. Like Daniel, Jesus was falsely accused by his enemies, Right? Like Daniel, Jesus was brought before a ruler, Pontius Pilate, who tried to release Daniel. Darius tried to do that, but he did not. Pontius Pilate could have, again, he did not. Like Daniel, Jesus was condemned to die. But unlike Daniel, Jesus' trial went deeper than that of Daniel. Jesus, although sinless, did not merely suffer the threat of death, but he actually was killed. On the cross. He was taken there. And he was nailed. And crucified. And a crown of thorns. Put upon his head. There was no angel. To comfort Jesus. When he hung there. 
cross. You see, Jesus' body was placed into a sealed tomb, was it not? In a pit or a tomb, any situation could not be changed by human intervention. As one writer puts it, his body was left entombed in the icy grip of death for three days before the angel came to roll away his stone. Like Daniel, who emerged unhurt with not a bone in his body broken, so it was with Jesus. But Jesus' resurrection and deliverance was deeper than that of Daniel. Jesus died for our sins and not his own, for he was sinless and so death had no hold on him. And so, friends in Christ this morning, our salvation does not rest in trying to be a Daniel, but solely on the work of Jesus as our substitute. So we ought not to go here and out of this place and say, I want to be like a Daniel. That, that's all right if you want to, 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 to understand how Daniel had this relationship with God. But being a Daniel will not save us. It is a faith in the living Jesus that saves us. See, Jesus was our substitute. He took my place at the cross so that when I die, I will be with Jesus, delivered in heaven. How's that? Life is short, right? We've been reminded of that. Uh, John prayed that prayer this morning. Here today, and what's it? Maybe gone today. We say this thing, here today and gone tomorrow. I, you don't know whether you go home tonight? You don't know that. You see, I'm not putting any scare tactics here this morning, but I'm just trying to make the point. You see, our faith in this living God. Daniel put his faith in the living God. How about you this morning, brothers and sisters in Christ? You see, the only way that you and I will escape judgment is by trusting in Jesus, God's Son. The book of Daniel pointed forward to when Jesus Christ will come into this world. He will destroy Satan, bind the strong man, defeat sin, death, hell, and the grave, so that we do not fear because our God has delivered us from dead. When John and myself were in Gisborne for uh, Tim's funeral, it was a private funeral, we did there, we, we walked uh, around that cemetery and looked at some of the grave, uh, grave sites and the epitaphs that's written there. It's quite interesting to read some of those things, isn't it? it reminded us of what death is. So I, I was saying to John, and I said this to Rose before, when I die, I just want some simple things there. Here lies a sinner saved by grace. That's it. There lies a sinner saved by grace. You see, Jesus has delivered us. He is our great deliverer. More than what uh, Daniel faced as well. And so he came. He died. He rose as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And now he intercedes for us. And we belong to him. This Jesus. What an amazing thing that is. For we are a moment... But our God is forever and be unto his name. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. Thank you for this story. It's well known. But it pointed to something much more deeper. This morning, if there is anyone here who does not know Christ, may such a person be delivered from this world into knowing Jesus. To follow Christ as his or her Lord and Savior. To those of us who know you, Lord, help us to build on our relationship with you, the living God. 
In Jesus' name. Amen.